0: Hey, everyone, it's Matt Harmon from the Yahoo Fantasy Football Show. Are you sad there's no fantasy football going on right now? Yeah, me too. I've got good news for you, though. It is fantasy baseball season right now. Join a public league, join an instant draft, or create a league with your buddies before opening day. It's Yahoo Fantasy Baseball time. Sign up for the 2024 fantasy baseball season at yahoo.com slash fantasy baseball or on the Yahoo Fantasy app.
1: Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, back in the captain's chair. Thank you, Andy, for subbing in for a week. And I am with, of course, Matt Harmon, who will help me recap six of the most interesting NFL games from a topsy-turvy, that's being kind, Sunday (laughs) afternoon. And we'll uh, preview the Monday night matchup, which also, I mean, this is like my own personal journey through the underworld. Let's just do it. (laughs) Matt! (laughs) (laughs) Well, oh, some some news to start with uh, Tua has a fractured finger. That is why he was unavailable for this contest at Houston. We were talking before FFL, in fact, about how it's probably not a good look, especially in that matchup um, to be hurt or fragile seeming again.
0: Yeah. And it's tough, too. They have a quick turnaround. They play on Thursday night against the Ravens, uh, which isn't the most intimidating matchup of the world after, like, the Ravens' defense has been kind of sneaky quietly, not great of late. And I don't know, like, we always just kind of default to the fact that, ah, they're the Ravens, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about that game a little bit, I'm sure. But overall, like, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see if Tua can make the quick turnaround to Thursday Night Football. But, um, you know, Jacoby Brissett was fine. Uh, he did throw, I did see him throw a long pass, In this game, obviously it was intercepted. Like that was I mean, this game between him and and Tyrod like set quarterbacking back for a little bit. At one point I saw at one point I saw John McClain tweet out that like both of these guys had passer ratings south of fifty. So not great. No,
1: not great. Also, Devontae Parker wasn't in that matchup, but you know, you're going to get lots of looks from Jalen Waddell and uh, some good ones from Mike Gusecki as well. But again, we'll talk about that matchup in a bit. Uh, Another piece of news, Josina Anderson is reporting that Deshaun Jackson says that he's going to the Raiders. Obviously, speculation after uh, he was waived by the Rams. And of course, there's a need at receiver for Las Vegas with Henry Ruggs being dismissed.
0: Yeah, Brian Edwards 0 catches on 4 targets. We know he was if anybody was going to step up as the deep threat, uh it was going to be him, but he's not really like I don't even know that he necessarily should be just a pure vertical receiver, anyways. Um, I think he's more like I don't think he's a speed guy. I think he's more of no, a vertical threat obviously. guy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that he's had this like high A dot along, like relatively not quite Henry Ruggs high, not quite obviously Deshaun Jackson high, but um, yeah. No, it's definitely need for them. I thought watching this game today, you know, twenty targets between Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, like you know that is very much old Derek Carr, like dink and dunk down the field and that's just not gonna work so I think this make the signing makes a lot of sense I don't know how fantasy relevant Jackson will be anything like that um you know I I thought that it's interesting like you know in training camp Deshaun Jackson's like yeah I'm on a pitch count here with the LA Rams I've never been on a pitch count before you know it feels kind of nice and then by (laughs) by the trade deadline he's like get me out of here man (laughs) so I don't know we'll see what happens there
1: It will be interesting because the Raiders will host the Chiefs on Sunday night. And despite what Jordan Love and the Packers put on, Legereus Sneed is not a good cornerback. So I do think Deshaun Jackson will have some opportunities for big plays.
0: I mean, it took... We'll talk Jordan Love later. It took Jordan Love like 55 minutes. We're not going to talk
1: him, actually. So do it now. We're not. He's not part of our six.
0: Well, I mean... Tough, tough game for Jordan Love. I mean, it took him 55 minutes, but he did finally find Daniel Sorensen at some point. And when he found in the him Alan, quarter, in the fourth yeah. quarter, yeah, like I said, 55 minutes finally finds Daniel Sorensen. Alan Lazard gets the touchdown. Um, yells an F word into the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> always, it always cracks me Chef's up. Kids. But uh, yeah, right, beautiful. But uh, yeah, I think maybe. Maybe Deshaun Jackson get a couple routes uh, in Sorensen's area of the field, and he's at least still capable to do that. Like I still think Jackson has juice, so um, we'll see. I wouldn't mind like sticking him on the end of my bench if I had the space for it or something like that, but we'll see. I mean, he's if he plays too much, he's just gonna get hurt.
1: Not for nothing though, like Jordan Love wasn't the only quarterback in that matchup overflow overthrowing his number one receiver.
0: I thought Troy Aikman was gonna blow a gasket. Like he was so. I it's, it's like I love when the commentators show a little fire, and Troy mm-hmm. over the last few well, years. Well, Troy Aikman's the
1: most negative commentator of yeah. all of the like broadcasting yes. elite. Like the, he dogs yeah, everybody guys. on every single play. Yes.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's like. I mean, I don't. I, I don't know if you watch the Manning cast. I've not really. I have not watched it so far this year. But what I gather is that like Peyton gets real frustrated about bad quarterbacking. Like he just can't. He can't handle it. And I think Troy Aikman's kind of like he's the OG at that where, like, you know, Jordan Love in this game just cannot find the quick hitting route against the Blitz. I mean, that was the theme of this game. Like they just kept sending extra pass rushes at him. And it's like Troy afterwards, I'm sure he's, you know, talking to the truck down there like, hey, you find you find Alan Lazard on that slant route right there. Or you find that <laughs> Alan Lazard slant <laughs> route and you show it right after his play's over because he's so heated about it. But, yeah, it was not a great debut for Jordan Love. That's for sure.
1: No, um, let's let's get into our preview though, because we're yeah. we're a little bit off topic, and I'm sure that profe- uh, professor. That's where I'm at. That's where my brain is at. I just called our producer, professor, professor John, oh. producer John, uh, would like us to move on. Probably. man. You know who else would probably like? Uh, I'm sure the people of Jacksonville would like to move on from the Urban Meyer uh, experience. Although in this one,
0: well, it's a statement win? This is their but biggest win biggest on in American franchise history. soil, no
1: less. <laughs> yes, this is the domestic win. Uh, they managed to um, beat the Buffalo Bills, who have now lost two of the last three games. A very exciting score, by the way. Nine to six. And that spread, Dalton and I talked about on the Friday <laughs> podcast, was 14 and a half. Lots of people we had on FFL asking about Zach Moss because of game script. You uh, did talk... I hope some viewers out of starting Zach Moss, though.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, this was this was very unexpected. By the way, this was the first victory for the Jacksonville Jaguars on American soil in 420 days. That is uh, over an entire calendar year. Unbelievable. But, um, yeah, obviously this is going to be tilting. Uh, I saw people and I'm I'm not dogging Kyle Brandt here on this one, but I saw people uh, digging up an old Kyle Brandt tweet from like, you know, like I think probably last week or something like that, where he said like the Bills basically get a bye month where they had a bye. They play the Dolphins, the Jags and the Jets. Well, we're two weeks through like the actual playing days of that bye month and it has not gone so well for the uh, like, especially this is the second game basically where the, the Bills were like 14 point favorites and they lose this one they actually pulled out the game against the dolphins but i don't know do you have any theories about what's going on with these buffalo bills like in one in one sense i think maybe it is literally just you know, they're like exactly what Kyle Brandt said, like, oh, we can take this. We can take it slow here in, in these two games, these three games here. Like, we'll be fine. But that's a little perplexing considering they lost their game going into the bye against a really good team in the Tennessee Titans, or at least a pretty good team standing in the AFC. So it's very confusing right now. I mean, I I think that it's overall kind of encouraging. This sounds stupid coming off a game where they score six points against the Jaguars, so just bear with me as I try to make sense of this here. It's almost a kind of encouraging that, like, for the most part, before today, you were getting really good – I mean, you were getting QB1 best per game fantasy numbers out of Josh Allen – And then Stefan Diggs has been giving you pretty decent floors. He hasn't quite hit his ceiling yet. All the while, this offense definitely has not hit its ceiling yet. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Bills right now. The one thing I'll say is that, you know, this was just a dominant effort by – I didn't – by the way, Liz, what a a transformative revelation that two guys can have the same name and they might also have the same, uh, you know – profession that was quite a thing that we learned today about the other Josh Allen on the Jaguars defense they really owned the day I don't think Josh Allen's protection has been great all year and that can certainly cause chaos Uh, it did right now I don't know if I said anything there I said a lot of words I don't know if I came to any
1: conclusions well I think one of the things that's hampering the bills and you wouldn't imagine it but I do think the lack of Dawson Knox being available has prevented them from having a go-to red zone threat And that was someone we really saw, like, emerge as a go-to touchdown option. But also, like, wasn't just, like, boxing out in the end zone. And, you know, he was doing much more than that. And so you see Cole Beasley, for example, right? He comes off of this double-digit target game last week. Not a single one of them was in the red zone. Again, 11 targets today. Converts eight of those for 33. Blech! That's a Jamison Crowder up, yeah. stat line. No thank you, right? Like, and yes, you're right. He did get banged up as well. You see Gabriel Davis try to be the red zone guy. He did manage to convert in the red area last week. Couldn't hold on to it this week. So you've got Diggs. We know where that's going to go. Most of the defensive attention is also going to be on top of him. And then, you know, Emmanuel Sanders does what he can. But I think without the presence of like a go-to touchdown maker plus that might be part of the struggle in tandem with like, we can beat these guys. Like we're getting trapped a little bit here.
0: Yeah. I do think Dawson Knox has been a big uh absence. You're right to point it out, especially because like right as he had become, not just like a random splash game player, but like a yeah. guy that, that was a key part of the game plan and, and in the red zone, absolutely. But I even think just like, down the deep middle of the field. You know, Stefan Diggs is always going to be that boundary receiver. Um, you know, Cole Beasley has a very specific role as the short area middle of the field receiver. But, you know, Dawson Knox disappearing right as he had become an integral part of the offense, I think this, it, that, that has been a big problem for them. I do think that that loss has kind of been overstated just because we didn't. You know, regard Dawson Knox was like number one on my list of like, I'm kicking myself for not being higher on this guy coming into the year. But like, you know, he wasn't a guy that everybody was excited about really coming into this year. So it's easy to dismiss and forget about him. But I do think that's a pretty big loss for them. So we'll see. They did they eventually place him on IR, or they just had been declaring him out every single week? I don't think he ever went on IR, right? No,
1: I don't think he went on IR, and I already believe he had the hand surgery that yeah. was the issue. So he's right now just rehabbing and healing from that. Um, Next week, it is worth mentioning that the Bills have another great matchup against the Jets. They will be away in New York at MetLife, so maybe they've learned their lesson Um and will play up for this contest, right? Um, On the Jacksonville side of things, just quickly, Trevor Lawrence was in and out of this game very briefly after what looked like a scary ankle injury. He came back. I thought that showed toughness for whatever it's worth. And obviously we know that James Robinson was a late scratch with a heel injury. He was expected to play. And then it was this morning... Sunday morning, in fact, that um, he was out, but he should then play at Seattle yep. next week. And Dan Arnold remains the most consistent option, which is impressive considering he was traded at the top of the season. Um, he remains the most consistent weapon, I suppose you could say, uh, for the Jack Jacksonville Jaguars. He's com- commanding a good amount of targets every single week and proving to be like a security blanket for, I think, you know, different skill set, but I think kind of what the team drafted Travis Etienne for in some ways to be this security blanket that Trevor Lawrence could like check down to. And in fact, it's Dan Arnold who's just that like chain mover for him.
0: Uh, uh, Dan Arnold is like almost an every week starter at this point. I talked about this uh in the player prop section on FFL. He by the way, the line I the line for bet was bet MGM was thirty-seven and a half yards. He cleared that in like two seconds in this game. <laughs> it was so easy. Uh sixty yards. He has a team high seven targets. He's been second on the team. He was going into this uh game, he was second on the team in targets behind freaking Jamal Agnew since week five. Like, LaVisca Shenault. that dream is dead, dead, dead. Uh, Marvin Jones, even at this point, is an extremely volatile, maybe wide receiver four at best. But, yeah, Dan Arnold's role is consistent. And, you know, at the beginning of the year – Trevor Lawrence is flo- throwing a like you know Jeff Swaim and or you know James O'Shaughnessy or who, whichever one of those guys. I feel like every James O'Shaughnessy, right? Like pop. And those are like yep. number one and two and like rando tight ends that play for every every team at some point. Uh, O'Shaughnessy was getting some decent targets there, and then they go and make this trade for Dan Arnold, who is actually a pretty big time athlete. Uh, you know he made some big plays in Arizona. Then like Carolina gives him all this money, and I mean shout out, listen. Not to not for Sam Darnold to take a stray here, but shout out to Dan Arnold for getting out of like uh, Sam Darnold's hit list, which is basically any anybody who catches a pass for the Panthers right now is like destined to get cracked. Uh, like I think Sam Darnold might legitimately trying to be trying to kill DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, uh, and I mean he already got Terrace Marshall concussed too. That is a it's a tough look in that Panthers offense. I mean so.
1: Robbie Anderson looks like he might be trying to kill Sam Darnold on the sidelines, so.
0: Robbie, though, like, I mean, come on, buddy. This is like one of those, n- there are no heroes in this situation, okay? Like, you haven't exactly played your best football so far this year, but no, be that as it may.
1: All right, let's uh, move on to another tilting matchup, Denver at Dallas. You know, I argued in favor of Teddy B over Terod Taylor with Tank in our fantasy face-off on FFL this morning. Not for any of the, like, like the, my process, Wrong. My result? Right. Um, Teddy Bridgewater threw for almost 250 yards and a touchdown. And you know weren't what? You gonna ha- have weren't
0: you do- going to have Tua in that, like, segment going into it, too?
1: Yeah, until he was uh, ruled out right. last minute. Yeah.
0: So it's like, there so you go. So this was an
1: impromptu, an impromptu yeah. uh, fantasy it face-off. <laughs> but it's... Bridgewater didn't have to do much in this one yeah. because it was nearly a shutout in the last, uh, like deep, I feel like deep into the fourth quarter. It felt yes. deep. I don't remember if it was or not. Into the fourth quarter, Dak Prescott decided to wake up and threw two touchdown passes, both to Malik Turner, who, by the way, this summer was battling with Cedric Wilson for the wide receiver four spot. We all saw that coming. Uh, but, yo, what's up, Illini? I, I don't mind it from my home state. Uh, meanwhile, the Ezekiel Elliott's going to eat narrative did not work out in this one um he only managed 51 yards on 10 carries and in the passing game he did convert all three of his looks for 25 but certainly an underwhelming stat line um meanwhile the backfield in denver remains the same as it has since the top of the season melvin gordon is carrying the ball more times Maybe not Like maybe not as much. It's a little bit closer than people like. 21 carries, 80 yards, and what? The touchdown. Javante Williams, everybody's trying to make him this year's Cam Akers. And that, by the way, is a desperation move because they wanted him to be that before he could be this year's Cam Akers. 17 carries for 111 yards. Looks great, but it's a timeshare. And, you know, everyone wants to dog Melvin Gordon, but still in there making things happen.
0: I'm a thousand percent with you on everything you just said about the Broncos back there. Let's table the Cowboys talk for a second. We'll get there on the Broncos. Like, yeah, people can want Javante Williams. Cause he's got a high yards per carry and he has some awesome runs, but you know, you look at his like stuff rate too. He's also been uh, buried for like negative or, you know, fewer than two yards every now and again, like he's definitely a volatile runner. Melvin Gordon has done nothing to lose this job. So I don't expect like, And also, I mean, the Broncos players were pretty vocal about the fact, like, they were pissed at the, you know, media consensus being, all right, the Broncos are putting it in the tank at four and four because, uh, you know, they trade Von Miller, like franchise icon, for a pretty decent return. But they were ready. They came out here ready to roll. And, like, you know, I guess you could say, oh, well, if they were tanking it, then maybe they just want to get a look at Javante Williams. But – this is the disconnect between, like, obviously a, a general manager and George Payton who might be looking to the future, and I totally understand that, but, oh, Vic Fangio ain't trying to go out there and uh, get Mm-mm. let the next coaching staff get a good look at Javante Williams and, like, Melvin Gordon's not doing anything to lose the job. So, I mean, I don't expect this to change, barring injury. Um and they I gotta pay wanna... him.
1: They gotta pay him through the end of the year. Like also, yeah. this is a little bit of a business. And what I just wanna add what you brought up about Denver Broncos fans and the Denver Broncos mafia, if you will. Like what a 180 flip and feels they had throughout this week from Von Miller going to the Rams to like suddenly trouncing the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're still, let's be clear, like they they still should be headed towards a rebuild or, or at least like a complete retooling of the roster. I think that's probably in the cards here. Uh, this win did feel a little fluky, but I, I would ask you this though. The one thing I, I am, I don't know if I want to read too much into this because this, like I said, it was definitely an unexpected game. I don't expect the Broncos to be up like 27 to nothing on most teams. Uh, I don't expect that to be the case week in, week out. I don't expect them to, you know, be able to give Melvin Gordon 21 carries and Javante Williams 17 carries, you know, Teddy Bridgewater throw the ball 28 times. But I do think that this could turn into one of those situations where I, one or one or two of three of the Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland Sutton trio totally bangs you every week. Uh, Jerry Judy gets eight targets here. Uh, Tim Patrick gets five scores, the touchdown, um, like, I don't think Tim Patrick is going to suddenly go away. And like, also Noah Fant didn't play in this game. I know Albert O got five targets. He was a little in and out of this game as well.
1: He had a knee but injury Qu- that he was dealing yep. with.
0: Correct. Cortland Sutton, two targets, one catch for nine yards. I am a little worried that now that we've placed a, you know, fully functional Jerry Judy into this passing game, like there will be days for one of these three guys. Cause like if Tim Patrick was just going to totally go back to the bench, I don't think you have to worry about it, but that's not going to happen. Tim Patrick is too good.
1: But I also think that, I mean, you're right, I don't think I think that makes complete sense and I also think that Vic is gonna you know I like LOL'd when they went for two because I was like oh my god they're shutting out the Dallas Cowboys and all of a sudden (laughs) Vic wants to go for two and not just kick it like this is not a metrics coach or analytics coach who like wants to be super crafty especially like that's the guy that like leans on the run as we're seeing in this backfield right so it was a little bit interesting though I will mention that the Broncos are hosting at mile high the Eagles next week so like like, mm. It's going to yeah. be hard to veer away from this backfield again in that matchup, it's friendly.
0: Extreme yeah, and I mean or bench any of those three receivers after I just said all that. Like this is going to be it yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting offense like cuz there's just so many talented players here. This is always the equation with the Broncos and they're just, you know, it's not like it's easy when it's like, oh, there's so many bucks receivers. How can I pick? P-? Well, it's just, just pick all of them, okay? Like, if you get banged one week, it's fine. Who cares? The ceiling is astronomical. But in this offense, it's like somebody's going to get banged each and every week, but your ceiling is probably like six catches for 69 yards or 85 yards and a touchdown, stuff like that. So it's a little bit different just because it's a Teddy Bridgewater offense and a conservative team. I mean, that's team.
1: kind of what we've been seeing out of Dallas, though, right? Like, the yeah. defense has made that look more possible than we imagined certainly, you know, a year plus ago, um, for Dak Prescott, because there's the, the firing on all cylinders does not necessarily exist here. Um, are you taking anything away? I mean, even look at these target totals. All right. Ceedee lamb has nine. He converts only on two. Otherwise though, Malik Turner has seven that no one expects Dalton Schultz, five, Amari Cooper, five. We expect Michael Gallup back any moment now, like, are we, is it really feasible to project on average more than like seven targets for any of these guys on a regular basis?
0: It's going to be tough, um, especially because they have, now they did play, they placed Blake Jarwin on IR. I do think that sure. makes it more likely that they're going to be an 11 personnel based team where the three receivers are on the field. Um, and, sure. and that's fine. But I mean, they're running game. This this week aside, like their running game usually has been awesome all year. Like Kellen Moore is putting it out there, man. Like he he's got like offensive linemen lined up in the backfield, all kinds of crazy stuff. Like they're a, a really well designed rushing team. Today though, the the one th- there's a couple things here. Number one, I think Dak just played like crap, and, and you know. It happens, right? I mean, it's tough to happen at home against a very inferior team, but you know he's coming off an injury. I just don't think he played a very clean game uh, overall. It was just off early and basically through the rest of the game. Um, but also Terrence Steele, who had been playing really well for them at right tackle, had to shift over to the left side uh, because Tyron Smith missed this game. And, and and that's just going to cause some chaos near in your offensive line when there's the shifts and everything. So I think those are probably the two biggest culprits for what went wrong today. And I, I could easily just see this being like a, you know, there are days like this type of thing.
1: I mean, also, it looked like Zeke really banged his knee in early in the game so that might have hampered him a little bit as well uh well i I would suggest people monitor that situation because you never know after the adrenaline if it flames up like what his practice looks like throughout the next week let's move ahead to another game that featured some fire running from rb1s on both sides nick chubb went off for 137 yards and two touchdowns Uh, meanwhile joe mixon didn't do too poorly, 64 yards and two touchdowns, but both of these guys, rushing alone, found the end zone twice. Ultimately, the Browns were significantly more victorious over the Bengals, who now have dropped two in a row.
0: Yeah, the Bengals have gone from like number one seed in the AFC to what, like ninth? <laughs> what a crazy, what a crazy conference. Uh I said this morning, I'm like, I at the top of FFL. I'm like, I'm really looking forward to getting some clarity on who the top (laughs) who who's good in the AFC and then it's like uh actually how about we just watch the bills uh lose six to nine to the Jacksonville Jaguars how about that's the clarity you're looking for buddy so uh, I got no idea what's going on in that conference that's a mess but the Browns yeah I think I was not surprised at the way their offensive play offense played at all like if you're going to tell me that Nick Chubb's going to come out there and you know look like a freaking beast like of course then baker can manage the game he doesn't have odell beckham there we know by now that that's a good thing okay like those two guys clearly either just don't like each other or there's just some i think i have a lot of theories on why their football connection did not work out but obviously there was some non-football things going on between those two as well so yeah great Uh, like it's of course he's going to be better without beckham at this point very strange but it is what it is But, yeah, I mean, Baker then can just execute the offense, make the throws, uh, and you've got Nick Chubb being an absolute animal back there. So, that was great, and I think the bigger surprise, though, is that it happened against this Bengals defense that I kind of thought had turned the corner a little bit. You know, they were like 13th in DVOA this year uh, coming into this game, but, man, they just got obliterated in this spot, and and you kind of wonder... If like it's a breaking of the damn moment because I didn't believe in this defense coming into the year and they're not exactly like they've got Jesse Bates at safety who's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Trey Hendrickson's been like playing way better than the media consensus expected him to play coming out of that, that free agent contract from New Orleans. But it's still a collection of like well-paid solid talents. So you wonder if there's going to start to be a little bit of like that breaking of the dam there, but it's a situation to monitor. Not an easy stretch here coming up for the Bengals either, by the way, they're, they're going to, that defense is going to get tested again. They get the Raiders, the Steelers, the Chargers, and the 49ers, like not saying that those are all the best teams in the NFL, but they'll at least put some pressure on you.
1: Do you think it was so much though, that the Bengals defense, I mean, obviously when you look at the score and you look at Chubb, like the, the Bengals defense fell, but I also feel like, Troy Hill deserves one hell of a ball game here. Denzel Ward played really well, too, and just really limited Joe Burrow and got in his head. I mean, man, was sacked five times. Like, he couldn't create the magic that we all have come to find regular uh, and all come to expect with Jamar Chase, right? Like, that wasn't there for him. Uh, T Higgins, like, was still, I thought, played incredibly well, and, like, uh, it just, like, didn't like... Like, the miracle moments weren't there, in a way that we've just seen them able to replicate week after week. And I am a little bit more concerned about, or I guess I would say that I don't think that, I think that the Bengals' offense wasn't able to answer in so much as the Bengals defense laid down, like if the Bengals offense was a little bit better, maybe this defense, which you're right, is probably like the sum is the best part, the sum of their parts or whatever that phrase is, like, yeah. makes more Some sense for this than defense. Whole, whatever. Yeah, is you better know what than I mean. The
0: sum of their parts, yeah, yeah, whatever.
1: Exactly. Like, there's not <laughs> a lot of, like, individual stars, but they need to be rested. And previously we've seen the Bengals be able to stay on the, the offense, stay on the field. And I think they were just gassed because the offense and Joe Burrow couldn't get anything going.
0: I think you, yeah, I think you might be right to bring that point up. And if there was one defense that is layered with stars, it's the Cleveland Browns. Like they've got miles Garrett. They've got Jadevian Clowney playing as the second fiddle there. Troy Hill was a huge signing for them. They invested in that defense and they really look like they've, they're, they're, they're a winner coming out of this offseason because this seems to have worked overall. Malik McDowell also giving him great play from the defensive line as, as well. Like, And it's funny, too. We're at a point where, you know, this time last year, everybody's like, the Bengals are endangering Joe Burrow's health. How can they in good conscience put him out there behind this offensive line? No one seems to really be talking about that this year. But Joe Burrow's sack rate is higher this year than it was last year. So, like, what? <laughs> and now he gets dropped again. And, and, like, this was a very bad matchup for the Bengals going into it, I think. And that's why I think that, you know, it's it, it's just, this. Is, I don't quite believe in this team all the way.
1: Something that I found hard to believe was that Matt Ryan was the first quarterback on the season to run in a touchdown against the Saints defense.
0: Yeah, Falcons offense is, like, Cordero Patterson or bust in this game. It's so unbelievable. I think like the Cordero Patterson story is like my favorite one of the entire NFL season. And I feel like a lot of it just, you know, this is me. I don't know anything that's going on in the Falcons building. Like I don't know the player coach dynamic between Arthur Smith and Cordero Patterson. But I feel like for Patterson, he gets better every week. Like in this game, he's making like downfield contested catches. Like he's not just doing little gadgety running back pass catching stuff. Like he's making real big boy down the field wide receiver catches. And I just kind of wonder for a player like Patterson, who has been so, you know, he's gone bounced around the league since being a letdown of a first round pick, you know, the Vikings clearly never like, you know, that was like Norv Turner back in the day, offensive coordinator. who's like, he's not about to alter his system for this guy in Cordero Patterson who can't run routes coming into the league. I just kind of wonder at this point, like this is the first coach that has been like, Hey, I've got a whole thing designed for you, CP. And, like, now one of the best kicker turners of all time, who's obviously a good athlete, is now, like, a central figure of this Fal- Falcons offense. I don't know. I just find that so fascinating. I feel like the confidence instilled in him by the coach is making him better every single week to the point that not only is he an every-week fantasy starter, but, like, Liz, he's probably the best waiver pickup of the entire fantasy year.
1: Absolutely. I think you're totally right. It's, it's, it is telling about, like, opportunity. And it's interesting because... Earlier in the season, I was talking to Austin on Eckler's Edge about Corderell Patterson saying if we should believe or make believe. And he said that his special teams coach used to be in Minnesota with Corderell Patterson and said that he called him the Anaconda because he was always darting around ready to pounce on prey. And that was his nickname for him. And... This skill set was always available, it was up to whichever regime he was in to unlock it. And maybe, you know, there was a glimpse of it when he was briefly in Chicago because he started being used as a running back. And so I really did love his quote um, when he was asked about it. You know, his like weird dual eligibility, especially in fantasy and our game. He said, um, my mom worked three jobs. I can play three yeah. positions. And yeah. I, I love it. Like, I don't know who's not rooting for him at this point. I have him in the fishbowl, too. So I, I dig it.
0: Uh, I mean, I wish he would unblock me on Twitter, but I I am rooting (laughs) for
1: him. Oh, man. Why did you get blocked by him on Twitter? What happened?
0: I don't know. I took, like, a bunch of crap for the guy, too, because, you know, back in my uh, backyard banter days in, like, 2013, I wrote a lot of Cordero Patterson hype. So, like, the long-term real ones, you know, know I used to be a big CP guy. But, yeah, I took a lot of heat for the fella and... I don't know. I'm getting the heat from him, too, I guess. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm still rooting for you, buddy. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, if he's listening, he's
0: not. He's not listening.
1: <laughs> de- definitely. Go he's got ahead. too much.
0: He's got it too much to do with, like, learning three roles in an All offense. Right. He's got no time to listen to a podcast. You kidding me? No way. Um, maybe you're how in his feel ears the, on his warm-ups. I, maybe. That would be such a—what a, what an honor. Uh, well, how do we feel about the Saints coming out of this game? Because, like, you know, this is a competitive game. The Falcons almost falconed it. Um, like they almost blew it at the end. No, you know, Kenny Stills, like we're, we're, we're sitting here talking about like, I can't believe Adrian Peterson is back in the NFL. And he's like back in the fantasy conversation. It's like Kenny Stills is back with the saints and like catching almost game winning touchdowns. It's unbelievable. All it took,
1: by the way, all it took was Drew Brees to be out. We all know why Kenny Stills left the, left the saints. It had nothing to do with his talent, but more about, uh, his quarterback finding an appreciation in his personality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That is true. Um, Tell me who
1: history is favoring in this situation, but I won't go there. It's fine.
0: (laughs) I won't go there as well. I'll leave leave you, leave you that topic. Um, But you know, this is just, it's a really bad offense on paper. I mean, you know, they're starting Trevor Simeon. I mean, come on, give me a break. Like Trevor Simeon's fine, but he's, you know, a backup, like a pure backup quarterback. And like if we're doing the backup quarterback rankings, like where are we putting Trevor Simeon? Like, you know, top, top 10 backup maybe if we're lucky Um, and you know he's throwing to Traquan Smith Deontay Harris and like Marquez Calloway and Kenny Stills like none of these guys are good players like they don't have they don't have good players in the passing game and now we know that Michael Thomas is not riding in to save the day you know Alvin Kamara is a, a superstar it's just like what are we doing here with this team
1: I mean, I will say that, like, I am intrigued by Deontay Harris moving forward. Like, I have to rewatch some stuff. But he did have seven targets last week. He just wasn't able to convert on any of them. And last week, obviously, was a surprise. He has to, like, build chemistry. And this week he is uh, tied with Kamara for second in team targets – with No, he led the team in targets with yeah, eight, he and he caught six of those for 52. So, to me, like, listen, all season long we have talked about how we don't really want to, like, bank on any of these pass catchers or any of these pieces outside of Kamara, right? Um, and even though it's Callaway who, who catches the touchdown, I am... I am interested at least in Harris, especially as things are are pretty grim as we move forward. Um, but I mean, as for Trevor Simeon, like you're right, he is a backup. Uh, he's probably what the what is 32, 45th best quarterback in the NFL, right? And um, yeah. but but I don't think there are like a ton of surprises. What I think the most surprising thing is that. They let Trevor Simeon throw the ball more than Jameis Winston, frankly, and that shouldn't be too much of a surprise, even though it is.
0: That is a surprise. Uh, I didn't I guess I didn't put that together in my head. But yeah, I mean, game script had something to do with it. But still, yeah, this is um, I don't know. Sean Payton is definitely he's definitely coaching his ass off this year. So um, there is that.
1: There is that. All right, let's talk about, if you want to talk about coaching your ass off, (laughs) let's talk about Cliff Cliff, Kingsbury. (laughs) Going, I feel like this this matchup was like the head coaches. If you look at Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Shanahan, they're like the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other across the sidelines. Like, I don't know. I can tell which one is Kyle Shanahan because he's got a flat brim hat on.
0: Oh, the flat brim hat is so embarrassing.
1: Such a, t- it's such a tell. It is such a tell. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a break. Put on a trucker hat like a real man.
1: <laughs> bend, <laughs> bend the rim a
0: little. Bend the rim for God's <laughs> sakes, Kyle. Have some self-respect. <laughs>
1: Um, Oh, we're going to get it. Okay. Um, But I will say this was impressive. Obviously, no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, and yet Colt McCoy had the game that I thought Jordan Love was supposed to have. James Conner had the game that I expected Aaron Jones was going to have. James Conner, Chase Edmonds goes out in this game, and James Conner is like, no problem. I am not just the mop-up duty goal line running back. In fact, I'm going to carry the ball 21 times for 96 yards, find the end zone twice, and then in the passing game, here's the key. Ready? Nobody likes this stat. He converted all five of his looks for 77 and another touch. That is efficiency. You can't call James Conner inefficient, at least in this one, against a 49ers crew, by the way, that, like, looked alive last week.
0: Yeah, well, the 49ers will get there in a second, but... I, I, I swear to God, this is not like revisionist history here because like you can go find the, I said this on the podcast with Dalton, like that I think James Conner was a great, like throw in trade target because he was already getting like usage. Like you could throw him in your flex and like, just hope for a touchdown type. Thing. And honestly, you weren't even really hoping at that point. It's like almost a lock. He's going to score a touchdown every single week. Um, But then, you know, then also this is a guy that I think he was looking good all season. You know, like, I don't think he's looked like some big plotter or something out there like i think he's he looks healthy he looked terrible in pittsburgh last year but he looked he looks really healthy uh in arizona and explosive you know he's just yards per carry and stuff is bad because he's always getting like red zone carries your yards it's like it's like melvin
1: gordon right it's mel it's the complaint against melvin gordon like it's less about ypc and more about where and where on the field are you seeing your opportunities
0: and this game too is um exactly why I thought Connor has like a huge amount of upside. Like to be clear, I didn't think it was going to come in the Colt McCoy game, but it was like, James Connor has a history as a pass catcher too. You know, like if chase Edmonds was to ever get hurt, like he did today, it's not as if they're just gonna be like, okay, let's toss old, you know, some other goofball running back out there. Like, no, it's just going to end up being right. like James Connor is an 80% snap player because he has a history as a pass catcher, even, and he can take that role from, old, um, you know, from, from chase Edmonds, if, and when he does get hurt. So I don't know, like if I don't know what Edmund, Edmunds status is, but like if James Conner was to own this backfield all to himself, I think he'd be like a top 15 back rest of season because this offense is cooking.
1: Yeah. And they get the Carolina Panthers of squad that's fallen apart or has been falling apart oh, next week. Um, But we're burying the lead here, Matt. Like, why don't you just take your victory lap? Because I don't have to whisper Brandon Ayuk's name anymore. We can say it out loud.
0: All the indicators were there that he was back last week. You know, running a route on ninety-seven percent of the dropbacks, team high in routes run overall, twenty-five percent target share. He had the two-point conversion. You could tell I've got these like tattooed on my arm here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> week eighty, he ran ninety percent. Yeah, like uh, anyways. But um, yeah, I mean, all those indications were there, no question about it. And um, you know, this this was a, a pretty big statement came from him too. He did lose a fumble on a uh, rushing play, but. Won a great pass in the end zone for a touchdown. Eight targets. Uh, was right there with George Kittle, Debo Samuel. And, um, yeah, I think this is the – look, the 49ers offense was problematic in this uh, game, obviously. Go for
1: it. It's interesting that they were problematic because if I told you that George Kittle, coming back from injury, put up hundred over 100 yards and scored, yeah. and Ayuk, uh put up nearly 90 yards and scored, and Debo Samuel saw nine targets, you wouldn't think that the score was 17.
0: Yeah, they, what I think has become clear with the 49ers, and I'm just like, I'm so sick of being like invested in this team in the way that I am. Like, George Kittle loses a fumble. I mentioned Ayuk loses that fumble. And that was killer for them because they end up giving up points to the Colt McCoy led Arizona Cardinals. And that's, what's become clear about this team is that they do not have like a margin for a, a big margin for error on offense because their defense is legitimately bad. Like their secondary is bad. They um, are, they give up explosive plays on the ground. Like this is three weeks in a row, you know, Khalil Herbert rang them up and Justin Fields obviously rang them up last week too. And then Jonathan Taylor in that slop fest game, and those like their explosive run rate allowed has been ticking down every well, in the ticking in the negative direction every single week. And this was just another one like James Conner goes crazy on them today. Their defense is legitimately bad. And I think that was I, I think it's weirdly like promising for the 49ers offense that, you know, it was a concentrated unit in the passing game between um, those three guys. That was kind of the hope if you were in on this team in the preseason that like, you know, the goofballs like Muhammad Sanu and Trenton Sherfield and stuff weren't going to get a bunch of targets. It was just going to go through Kittle, Ayuk, and Samuel. That was how it went today. Just the problem is the two turnovers really ended up killing them.
1: Um, one note on the backfield, and then we're going to move on. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, eight carries, 36 yards, not what you hope, but at least you know he's active in the passing game, catches all five of his targets but the big that. story was that there was no jeff wilson and we had a ton of jeff wilson questions who was obviously supposed to make his debut at least in the box score make some sort of debut or impact uh coming off of the mcl injury uh, and surgery that he underwent in may this was it for 2021 i was really surprised frankly at the number of questions we got about him i guess maybe i shouldn't be because there's such a, a merry-go-round of options in the yeah. backfield in san francisco but we've now seeing Trey Sermon faded um oh. I would keep an eye on practice reports, maybe Jeff Wilson is just you know gonna work his way back and also the game sc- the green script here is not gonna w- work yeah. for a ton of carries.
0: Yeah, um, I love that, like, people ask all these questions about Jeff Wilson, like, just in the anticipation. Like, I know the 49ers will hurt us. I know they'll hurt us and do the unexpected thing. So, like, just tell me, can I play Jeff Wilson and get ahead of it? But, well,
1: then we need to yeah. be the messengers. We're the ones who are like, I yeah. know, I, know.
0: <laughs> I Yeah, I mean, I th- I still think Mitchell's the guy. And I think getting five targets in this game, even if Jermichael Hasty still also saw four targets for three catches, I still think overall, like, this was – um. An encouraging game for Elijah Mitchell, even if he didn't get the big, uh, big performance on the ground.
1: The Chargers traveled to Philadelphia and ended their two game losing streak by 30 points 27 yeah, they to 28. almost blew it. <laughs> yep. Ugh. Um, Justin Herbert did pass for over 350 yards, didn't throw a single interception, didn't take a single sack, and threw two touchdowns. Um, and he ran in a touchdown as well. So big day in terms of fantasy for him. And it was nice to see Keenan Allen stay at the top of the stat sheet for the second week in a row. He converted 12 of 13. My God, is he efficient for 104. Mike Williams, however, still not recapturing that early season um, reemergence that we had seen.
0: Yeah, um, this was basically exactly how I thought this game was going to go. Like um, I thought that. Keenan Allen would absolutely take a hammer to this pillow soft defense that just is totally cool with backing off in zone coverage. Uh, Darius Slay tracked Mike Williams around the field. Uh, That was, you know, also something you probably could have seen coming. I was still willing to risk Mike Williams in this game just because I thought it was a pretty good matchup, like, offense to defense generally. And, like, maybe he gets a chance at the end zone. But... Donald Parham and Steven Anderson end up catching the touchdowns. Uh, Donald Parham, man, like I really want them to play that guy more, but I know that's kind of a fruitless endeavor. He's exciting,
1: right? He's like 6'8", and just like a total freak. I know, yeah.
0: Total freak, yeah. Um, XFL uh, superstar Donald Parham. But, um, you know, the thing with Mike Williams is uh, Charles Davis mentioned on the broadcast. Like they really think he's just not at 100% that he's still uh, dealing with a knee injury, which, I mean – Unfortunately, that's kind of the theme of Mike Williams's career is like he he flashes a lot and then he kind of goes away when he gets hurt. Um, I also think too their team that is looking for more answers from their downfield attack and they have started to run like his a dot went like shot up from the sub like ten that it was early in the season back down now to about um you know it's been like over fifteen for several weeks in a row so They're kind of starting to try to use him as that vertical threat while he's also not 100% because they need a vertical element to their offense because they've been so dink and dunk. So I think that Mike Williams is definitely going to be a volatile wide receiver too, but maybe he gets healthy and and returns like something up closer to a high end wide receiver too, but we'll see.
1: I mean, do you think that Jalen Guyton would be the next version of that?
0: I don't know. I really wanted them to sign Deshaun Jackson because, like, just bring a guy mm. that can like lift the lid a little. Like, I don't think you need. You just watch the Chargers on 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 offense; since everything happens in this little box. Like, every it's like the old Eli Manning offense. Well, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like Joe Lombardi's that like, calling and play is like he's still dealing with aging Drew Brees, but he's got Justin okay. Herbert. Justin Herbert, like twenty third in air yards per pass attempt coming to this game, but um, it is still good news for Keenan Allen, who's been like a great buy low for weeks. Um, I hope that he is. Still considered a top ten receiver, I think that's where he is.
1: Here's good news for our man Andy Barron's Devonta Smith finally, finally managed a decent stat line. Converted yeah. five of six for one sixteen and a in touchdown. like a bad
0: matchup, <laughs> of course.
1: Right, right, like, what do we know about the Chargers defense? Oh, they don't allow explosive plays. So, of course, uh, Devonta Smith should be depressed. And after last week against Detroit, like, he couldn't get anything going. So, of course, you're going to fade him. Nope, this is where he pops. That's the joy of fantasy football. Overall, I mean, it was nice to see. It was affirming to see. It was a little bit disappointing that Dallas Goddard couldn't get anything going. Um, Jalen Hurts also, like, not playing well. we love the 62 rushing yards in fantasy um we don't love a kenneth gainwell touchdown (laughs) after last week um Um, And Jordan Howard, man, like of all of the talk this morning, again, on FFL, there are all these Boston Scott questions and this confidence that Boston Scott was going to be the guy. And no, it continues to be Jordan Howard, who led the backfield in carries 17 for 71 in a touch. We knew that one of these running backs was going to be able to take advantage of the soft run defense that Los Angeles is presenting. It wasn't Boston Scott. It was Jordan Howard. C'est
0: Ah, uh, yeah, right. Say I mean, what else are you really supposed to say to that? But yeah, Jalen Hurts, by the way, uh, heading into Sunday Night Football is QB eleven on the week. That's how much of a nightmare this whole thing was. So gross,
1: so gross. Um, some final notes here: Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. I alluded to it and earlier in the show, still, still a mess, man. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, we talked a couple. You and I talked what it was two weeks ago now, I guess, about how. The defense was thin, and this was obviously pre-Melvin Ingram, and they were still getting healthy. And part of the, I think part of the problem is that like, there have been so many injuries in the Chiefs' defense that they haven't taken enough reps together as a unit, so there hasn't been any cohesiveness. But as a result, we talked about Mahomes pressing and the turnovers, which everyone wanted to exclu- uh, excuse as fluky, and yet like we're seeing him regularly overthrow Tyreek Hill in this one. And this was a, a matchup that like, should not have been this close.
0: Oh, if Aaron Rodgers plays in this game, I think they blow the Chiefs out. Like that's how I Jordan Love, like I'm I'm not trying to dog on Jordan Love at all, but just he was so frenetic and and just jumpy early in the game and really could never get anything going, could not like find the hot route against the blitz. It was it was just clear like okay, if Rodgers is in this game, the Chiefs probably get smoked. I just kind of think like this is not the Chiefs' year and I think from a structural standpoint, they're they're kind of buried. I mean, they at least got out there and established the run, built a decent lead. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is 4.5 yards per attempt in this game, and he was sub-six the week before. Like, in what universe is that, <laughs> is that happening? I mean, they, they still want to be this, like, spread team, but then you're sp- – like, this is what kills me about the Chiefs is – they, you know, they draft a running back in the first round. They make a big trade to like, oh, let's fix the offensive line. Okay, well, you're still, you still want to be this spread team, and you know, you've got Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. You ain't got anything beyond that. Like, I mean, McCole Hardman, it's enough already with McCole Hardman like that. Oh it's, no, it's not. It's the, not
1: the answer. But also, it's worth mentioning that Jair Alexander was not active for this game. Like, yeah. and this is still what happened.
0: Yeah, I just think they're a very easy team to kind of defend right now, which is crazy to say because, you know, Mahomes is already. He's a great off script playmaker, but it's like, okay, if you, if you can take away Tyree Hill and you just, or you can like bracket Tyreek Hill and you just man up a corner on Travis Kelsey, like, don't just let him find the soft spots in zone. You're going to just take your chances on, on those two guys. And you're not worried about McCall Hardman. You're not worried about Demarcus Robinson. You're not worried about Josh Gordon in this calendar year. And their running backs aren't really threats in the passing game either. I mean, Jerick McKinnon like made a couple plays for him today, but it's like, what? Give me a break.
1: I am a little bit worried about Kadarius Tony. Can can some like the tilt continued with Tony in negative points and negative yardage for like, well, I think half of this game. He caught one ball for 9 yards and that like prevented him from being in negative space.
0: Yeah, they ended up like kind of rotating Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony with like John Ross and Colin Johnson. And part of me is almost like, Hey, maybe not a bad idea. Like these guys are just coming off injuries. They're probably not a hundred percent. And the giants injure their skill position players. Like it's their job. Like they, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like even freaking Dante Pettis was too hurt to play in this game. So like maybe taking it easy on these guys for the giants is not the not the worst idea in the world when you've got Devontae Booker in a revenge game, you know, drumming up the Raiders for 24 touches. But, yeah, it's it's tough, like, if you want to start these guys in fantasy, especially when, you know, this is a good matchup without Sterling Shepard and, and everything for Kadarius Tony. But, I don't know. I, I'm not going to, like, say that people got too excited about Kadarius Tony when he had that monster game against the Cowboys, but... Kind of feel like people got a little too excited about Kadarius. Ah,
1: uh, I mean, but I, I would say the absence of Sterling Shepherd in the slot would make Tony like a fine PPR flex just based on volume alone, especially because. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that that's partially it, and also you would imagine that the Raiders. Finally had Darren Waller back. Like, I had all of these questions saying, like, well, who's going to get Ruggs's targets? And I kept saying, like, well, what targets are you talking about? He has drawn four targets in back-to-back games, and one of those games, Waller wasn't present. Waller comes in, again, 11 targets, 92 yards, and... I'm not crazy like for not recommending Hunter Renfro. I in fact said, what is he going to get you six to seven targets for 50 to 60 yards. (laughs) I just wasn't anticipating the touchdown. He got lucky in the end zone. Like you don't need to chase those. You don't need to chase that. um, Exactly. Right. So, I mean, I, I think the point you made earlier about Brian Edwards, not returning and Deshaun Jackson, in fact, being probably the right answer for, the whole of what this offense needs means more. And hopefully the, the addition of Deshaun Jackson can open things up for everybody else.
0: Yeah. I hope so too. Cause I think that was the biggest thing that Henry Ruggs was bringing them is like, it's clear that defense has like had to account for him.
1: Last injury news. Actually, I want to get to it, um, and then we're going to close things out or talk about Chicago at Pittsburgh. Damian Harris has now scored five touchdowns over four consecutive weeks, but here's the asterisk. He exited early with a head injury, and he wasn't the only running back. Ramondre Stevenson, who showed off one hell of a stiff arm, giving very, very sweet baby blunt vibes, also left with a head injury in the fourth quarter. So that's something for fantasy managers to monitor moving forward.
0: Ramondre Stevenson has got the juice like he's um, Mm -hmm. he's good I I I know that like obviously he's injured in this game but at the same time this is definitely this is the time of year when you need to start stashing these like lottery ticket running backs and I still think like if anything ever happened to Damian Harris I know that they don't trust him and pass protection blah, blah 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 I would still take a chance on holding this guy on the end of your bench if you got the space
1: i don't disagree let's talk about the bears at the steelers damian williams is out must we (laughs) you're telling me darnell mooney has been questionable battling an injury all week eric ebron is also out so yay pat fryermuth although you know fryermuth has like worked his way up the depth chart long what like by like week three i think he was on my sleepers list i can't even use him anymore um single game (laughs) dfs who do you have
0: yeah, I mean Fryermooth at 11 bucks I think is a great play. Second on team targets uh last week. I think the guy's just good too. He he really and you know, we get all gassed up about Kyle Pitts rightfully. So in this draft class, but it's like, oh yeah, Fryermooth like is a legit prospect as well coming out as a rookie this year. I really like him. I think that um you know, obviously will fit with the Steelers offense. I'm still pretty optimistic about Chase Claypool. I think the role has been really good for him and I don't like the status of the Bears defense right now. So I think if you're Banking on a big game for Chase Claypool. Like, the the, uh, usage and air yards has been there. And he's getting the snaps that you want out in 12 personnel. Kind of risky to play him in daily fantasy. And it's just the Justin Fields question. I mean, God, the Steelers really drag you into the muck. Like, they are... Mm -hmm. They are their defense is so feisty uh, and like they're going to play a blue offense, offensive style all game and like they're going to make you do it. But is there any team more willing to do that than the Chicago Bears? Like they're totally bound to play that type of game. So, um, you know, Justin Fields, I think in daily fantasy, like it probably still makes sense to use him if they continue to let him run. And that I think is the biggest question.
1: Well, the Bears defense obviously dealing with some key injuries. Khalil Mack out, Eddie Jackson, the safety banged up. We saw last week how the defense fell apart without Mack, the cog that makes the whole thing work, um, available. So there could be some opportunity for Claypool. I'm, of course, and this is not, you know, genius analysis, but I'm much more bearish, uh, much more bullish, rather, on Najee Harris and I only have Deontay Johnson projected for I think like sixty nine or seventy yards. Six catches, though.
0: Yeah, well, we know that he'll uh, he'll get fifteen targets. So <laughs> no.
1: his catchable catch, like just of like a fun stat, if I can pull it up. Like when you're mentioning that Johnson's basic catch rate, just like regular catch rate, versus his true catch rate, has a difference of twenty four percentage points. Because because his catchable target rate is so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's that's the thing I hate. Like anybody that like cites, well, Deontay Jobs' targets or yards per target is very low. It's like, well, have you watched Ben Roethlisberger play football right. in the last two years? <laughs> no kidding.
1: It, it's one of the worst. I, I don't want to end on that pessimistic note, but uh, I think we're gonna have to because that's that gonna do weak? it for us. Yeah, it is that kind of week. Um, we have run out of games mercifully. To recap, uh, if you want to keep the conversation going on Twitter, though, you can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Of course, you should go ahead if you haven't already. Follow our at Yahoo Fantasy handle as well. And for a different angle on Sunday's games, you can always listen to Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab in the most recent episode of You Pod to Win the Game. Subscribe right now. It's a great show. And make sure you come back tomorrow for this podcast, the fantasy football forecast for the very special pickups pod with Andy and Scott until then we're going to call it night.